Amen. Thank you so much, worship team. Children, you are dismissed for Children's Church. Everyone else, take your Bibles and open with us this morning to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We're doing, we're doing three things this morning. We're doing three things this morning. Not three different sermons, but we're kind of doing three things this morning as we look at Acts chapter 1 this morning. So this Christmas season, we sort of had a theme of finding hope, peace, joy, and love. And this morning, we're going to talk about the importance of spreading hope, peace, joy, and love. So this in one way is a continuation of our Christmas series. We're spreading hope, peace, joy, and love this morning. In another way, before we finished or before we started our Christmas series, we were doing a series on the work of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit empowers us as believers. And my final message on that series was going to be in Acts chapter 1 with the Holy Spirit empowering us for gospel witness. And so we're going to take a look at that this morning as well. And because it's New Year's, We're going to kick off the new year by reminding us of what God has given us as a mission and vision for the church. And so we're going to do all three of those things in one long sermon. Amen? Sounds like a great time. Lock the back doors. We're going to have fun together this morning. So Acts chapter 1, this morning we're going to talk about spreading hope, peace, joy, and love. Because as Luke tells us, the gospel message of Jesus Christ, the gospel work of Jesus Christ has not finished. The gospel continues on after Christmas. The gospel continues on after Easter because as we stand here today, as you sit here this morning, we are waiting for the day that Christ will return. Amen? And until he returns, the gospel work continues on. And so that's what we're going to celebrate. That's what we're going to look at this morning. And in the text, we're going to see three exciting realities concerning the gospel continuing on. So let's read Acts chapter 1. Verses 1 through 11, we'll pray, and then we'll make our way through this great text together. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to be here together on this New Year's Day and celebrate New Year's to cast a new vision to remind us of the vision that you have given for our church. 
Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to continue on in our Christmas series and to now spread hope, peace, joy, and love to the lost and dying world around us. And Lord, we thank you that we also get to see another evidence, another proof of how the Holy Spirit of God works in us and through us as believers, empowering us for gospel witness. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified this morning as we walk through this text together, that you would speak to us, that you would challenge, encourage, and Lord, that you would allow your will to be done in us and through us this morning. We love you and we thank you for all that you're doing. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, in the text, we're going to see three exciting realities concerning the gospel continuing on. Number one, because the gospel continues, we have a story worth telling. Now, notice what takes place in verse one of Acts chapter one in the first book, O Theophilus. This tells us that the author of Acts has written another book. And we know the author of Acts to be the same author of the gospel of Luke. This is Luke, the great physician that wrote the first gospel account, Luke, to Theophilus to give Theophilus an orderly account of all that Jesus had said and done. And as we remember, the gospel of Luke begins with the birth of Jesus Christ. It ends with the death, the resurrection, excuse me, the death, resurrection, and the ascension of Christ. But that's not where the story ends. Amen? And so Luke writes this second volume, if you will, to tell Theophilus that's all that Jesus said and did while he was here. But that wasn't the end of the matter. As a matter of fact, Jesus' work continues through the disciples and even to today through the church. And so the book of Acts is, is actually properly titled Acts because this book is going to detail the acts of the Holy Spirit, the acts of the disciples, the acts of the New Testament church. In other words, this is how we act out the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so all throughout the book of Acts, we see God acting out the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so all that takes place in this book, which we're just going to look at the first 11 verses this morning. We're not going to go through the book together. But as we look at this book, as you read through it later on, as you walk through it in your own personal study time, you get to see how God is acting, how God is working in the lives of the New Testament church, and how God ultimately brings about what we experience today which is the church body, the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so all that God begins to do through the New Testament church begins before the birth of the New Testament church in chapter 1, verse 1. Notice what it says. In the first book, Old Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. He's talking about his gospel. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit and to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so Luke tells us here in the book of Acts, he says, Remember how I had told you all that Jesus had begun to do and teach. How ultimately Jesus went to the cross and died. How he was buried, how he resurrected, how he ascended back up into heaven. But what he says I didn't tell you is all that happened after that. For 40 days before the ascension and after the resurrection, Jesus spent time with the disciples. He was teaching them. He was sharing with them many different proofs concerning the resurrection before ultimately he ascended back up into heaven. And Luke says he did, he did all of these things to try to help the disciples see that the story was going to continue. 
But notice, Jesus doesn't leave the disciples hanging there. Luke tells us in this book, in verse 4, that God had a message for the disciples through Jesus. And the message was to wait here in Jerusalem. Why? Because God was going to send that which Jesus had already told them, that which Jesus had already promised to them, the Holy Spirit, into their lives. Jesus told them, John baptized with water, but not many days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And what we begin to see as we start through these first four and five verses is that the gospel of Jesus Christ did not end with Jesus on the cross. It didn't end even when he resurrected from the grave. It didn't end when he ascended back into heaven. The gospel message of Jesus Christ continues on and it continues on through us. And it continues on through us in two really incredible ways. First of all, we get to be a part of this story when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen? Think about that for a minute. We're not just reading a story. We're not just reading what took place. We get to be a part of what God is doing through the Spirit, through His Son, Jesus Christ. We get to be a part of that story when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Well, what was that story? The story was, or the story is the story of a God who created all that we know and all that we experience, all that exists, God created. That creation, however, was marred by sin. And the story that the gospel tells us is how God sent his very own son, Jesus, to die on a cross, to pay the price of death that we owed for our sin. And that Jesus didn't just die on the cross, but he rose from the dead, having defeated death and the grave. And that God did this. He sent his son, Jesus, so that his relationship with me and you could be restored. And that we could have a personal and intimate relationship with God the Father. God sent Jesus because he wants a relationship with us. And the Bible says that if we will put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then we can have that personal relationship. Our sins can be forgiven. Our sins can be cleansed. And we can become the sons and daughters of God. We get to be a part of the story when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today, and you've never personally trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to understand that God loves you. God wants a relationship with you. God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, I believe that God is calling you unto himself so that you can have a personal relationship with God the Father today. And in doing so, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you become a part of the story. Secondly, we also become, not only we become a part of the story, but when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, then we have a story worth sharing with others. So in other words, we find hope, peace, joy, and love. But we don't just find it, we get to share it. Amen? We get to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We get to share it with others. And that's exactly what we begin to see in the second point this morning, it says because, or excuse me, we find that because the gospel continues, we have a story worth telling. And then secondly, because the gospel continues, we have a mission worth completing. Uh, notice what happens in verse 6. It says, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So here's what happens. The disciples hear 
that the Holy Spirit is coming. Hasn't yet come, but is coming. And they know that the Spirit of God represents the coming kingdom of God. And so they begin to ask Jesus, does this mean that Israel is about to be restored to its rightful place of authority and rule on the earth? When is it that God is going to restore Israel's kingdom, earthly kingdom, back to itself? In other words, when will the Roman oppression end? When will we get our kingdom back? Notice Jesus, in his last words to his disciples, doesn't correct them. He redirects them. Right? They, they had a false idea that God was talking about an earthly kingdom when in fact God was talking about an eternal heavenly kingdom. But they weren't going to understand that until the Holy Spirit comes. Right? Because remember, we talked about the Holy Spirit teaches us all things, right? Reveals to us knowledge of Scripture. They weren't going to get it without the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. And so instead of correcting them, he redirects them. Look at what he says in verse 7. It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, that's way, way, way above your pay grade. Right? That, that's, a, that's a need to know and you don't need to know. As a matter of fact, the only one that needs to know is God the Father. And when he's ready to restore the kingdom, he'll restore the kingdom. And he doesn't need our permission or our, uh, our counsel in that or our advice in that. Amen? He'll do it when he wants to do it. He'll come when he wants to come. That's all going to happen according to God's perfect timing and perfect plan. And so he says, that's above your pay grade, but here's what you get to do. And so in verse 8, he begins to share with them the mission that he has for them in their lives. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Well, not only is this the mission for the disciples, but this is the mission for us as the New Testament church. This is Luke recalling for us what Matthew tells us was the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verse 18. And what we get to see here are two really helpful truths that will help us see how we're to go about fulfilling the mission that God has left for the church. So as we kick off the new year, as we think about what do we want to do different this year, as we think about our, our New Year's resolutions, right? I, I jumped on the scale this morning. First time I've been on a scale since way before Thanksgiving. And let's just say the scale's not as happy with me, right? Instead of giving me a number, it just said, get off, right? And so, so that's fine. That's great. And so I jumped on the scale because I was thinking, eh, let's see what happens a month from now if I stop eating. Listen, this is, this is going to blow your mind. You know I'm addicted to peanut butter checks, right? Like I've, I've made that clear. I've actually requested y'all to bring me it when you find it. Peanut butter checks is now in stock. The emergency has ended. But I, I, let, I let my mom know that I was out of peanut butter checks. And so my mom goes a little overboard. And when I say a little overboard, I mean she's, she's, she's out there. She went way overboard. All of a sudden, showing up at my house from Target is a box of 10 boxes of peanut butter checks. She made a mistake and actually ordered a second box of 10 peanut butter checks. So we had 20 boxes of peanut butter checks that showed up at our house on November the 9th. Do you know how many boxes of peanut butter checks we have left? Zero. <laughs> Noah and I, we're averaging three and a half boxes of cereal a week. It was fun while it lasted. But the scale told me this morning, stop eating peanut butter checks. Right? We had an argument for a while. So, 
this is, this is where we start trying to do something different, right? We take a look back. Let's see what we want to change. Let's move forward this year. Here's what I want us to do as we look at verse 8. Let's look forward to what we're going to do this year, not trying to come up with something new. Let's just remind ourselves of what God's already told us to do. Amen? Which is fulfill the Great Commission, which is to be witnesses of what Jesus Christ has done, which is to continue the mission of God. And so notice what Jesus says in verse 8. Two really helpful things that I think we need to notice in verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Notice, first of all, God has given us the power needed to accomplish this great task. God does not send the disciples out and say, go get it. Use your talents and your ability, practice, study, and get it done in your own strength and go share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with the whole world. He doesn't tell them that. He actually tells them, do not move until the Holy Spirit comes. Because if you try to do this in your own power, you're going to mess it up royally. Instead, don't do anything, but wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then, and only then, will you receive power to accomplish the task that God has given to the church. Now, praise God, we don't have to wait on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come already, amen? But what this text helps us see clearly is that if we are not being empowered by the Spirit, we're going to mess it up. We've been given the power to accomplish the task, but we have to do the task within the power we've been given. And so we must make sure that we are being led and guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, not trying to do things in our own power. Now, there's a lot of good news in that, right? That means that we have access to the power that God's given us to accomplish the task. We don't do it alone, amen? It is not up to you and me. But it also means negatively, that I can try to do it apart from the Holy Spirit. And I need to make sure that we need to make sure that we are not doing it apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We, we, gotta, we gotta be willing to wait on the timing of the Lord. We gotta be willing to make sure that God is leading us and guiding us. So how do we attain the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not a magic formula. This is just understanding the truth of Scripture. In order for us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, we have to make sure that we are actually children of God. The, 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 the Spirit isn't abracadabra. It isn't hocus pocus. In order for us to have the Spirit of God living and dwelling inside of us, we have to be believers. We have to have put our faith and trust in Jesus. That means we have to have died to self and said yes to God. We will not be empowered by the Spirit unless we have first come before the Lord and said, God, forgive me of my sins, cleanse me of my sins. I don't want to live my, for myself any longer. I want to live for you and you alone. It's not until we've surrendered our lives to Christ that the Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of us. And so we've got to make sure that we have given our lives to Christ in order for us to be empowered by the Spirit. And then we also have to make sure that we are not grieving the Holy Spirit by allowing sin back into our lives. Listen, just because we're believers, just because we've placed our faith in Christ, doesn't mean that we are uh, incapable of sinning, incapable of falling short of his glory again. Amen? 
we've, we've, we struggle in this Christian walk. We struggle to live according to God's perfect plan. It's not about not struggling. It's not even about us not sinning. It's about us dealing with our sin when we do. Now, I would encourage you, stop sinning, right? Like, like we, need to, we need to repent of our sin. We need to turn from it and sin no longer. But the reality is, as long as we are living inside these fleshly bodies, we're going to struggle. We're going to fall. What it takes for us as believers is to overcome that by confessing our sin, knowing that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As believers, we have to deal with our sin. We trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then when we fall into sin, we don't stay enslaved to sin. Right? We don't, we, we don't continue in sin. We confess our sin. We ask God to forgive us for it and we repent and we turn from the sin once again. Have you ever seen a dog that, that's, that's standing at a gate that's normally closed, but the gate's wide open? We, we got chickens in our backyard now, and, and our chickens are free-range chickens in our backyard, which means that, as Miss Joan Johnson would tell you, if you come over to our house and you walk in the backyard barefoot, you get squishy stuff between your toes. It's fantastic. It's a great life to live, right? So because of that, we have stopped letting our dog into the backyard, the fenced-in backyard. He's no longer allowed back there. He knows he's not allowed back there. The other day, the chickens were up. They were kind of tied up in their coop. They couldn't get out. And so I was grilling. So I left the back gate open. And I just was curious to see what the dog would do. How long would it take before he crossed the barrier? I walk into the backyard. He's walking with me. He stops immediately at the gate. And he's looking at it. He's looking at the opening. He's looking around. He's like, I don't know if I'm allowed. I don't know if I can go in here. He's taking a couple steps, taking a couple steps, and he backs back up, right? Gate was open. He could have easily escaped, but he didn't quite know what to do. Well, listen, as believers, the chains have been released. The prison walls have been broken down. The cell door is open. We struggle with sin, but we're not enslaved to sin any longer. Amen? There's, there's freedom in Christ. And so we confess our sins. We know that he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And we stop sinning, but we also stop being enslaved to the sin, right? Too often, we pretend as if the chains are still on. We pretend as if the door is still shut. And we grieve the Holy Spirit by not dealing with our sin. And so if we want to have access to that power that comes through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we've got to, first of all, make sure that we are believers. We've got to, secondly, make sure that we're not grieving the Holy Spirit by allowing sin into our lives. And then one thing the book of Acts makes really, really clear is that we have to do what God leads us to do, and we have to be where God wants us to be. All throughout the book of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit of God lead the disciples. He leads them to do what God is leading them to do, and he leads them to be where God wants them to be. You see, too often, we don't have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that we think we ought to have because we're not actually doing what God has led us to do. Right? God's, God's led us to do this, whatever this might be in your life, and, and it's, it's way outside your comfort zone. It's, it's way outside what you want, and so you're not doing what God has led you to do. And instead, you're over here wishing the Holy Spirit would empower you. And I'm just telling you, the Holy Spirit won't work in your life other than to bring about conviction unless you're doing what God is leading you to do. 
You say, but God's, God's leading me to do something that I can't do. Exactly. That's the point. It really is. That's the, pur- that's the point. That's the purpose. He leads us to do what we can't do on our own power because we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that exactly what he does in this text to the disciples? Stay here. Don't move. Don't even talk to each other. Leave it alone until the Holy Spirit comes. Because right now you still think that God's going to restore Israel to its political kingdom. You're completely off base. Just sit down and be quiet. Wait for the Spirit to come. Because anything you do on your own, it's going to mess it up. So we got to do what God leads us to do. And then we got to be where God wants us to be. Amen? And that, that can be anything and anywhere. And we got to be willing to follow the Lord wherever He leads us to go. We've got to be where God wants us to be. I, I think it's fascinating and I think it's sometimes sad that we expect pastors and missionaries to pray about where the Lord would have them to live, where the Lord would have them to go. And oftentimes as church, we don't do the same for ourselves. And so I, I just want to encourage you, make sure that you are where God wants you to be. I know my... my uh, Went back home, everybody that I know, the vast majority still live there, right? We, we, most of us still live in the area we grew up in. There's nothing wrong with that if that's where God's led you to be. Amen? But we want to make sure that we're living where God wants us to be. That we're where God wants us in our lives. Right? I'm not saying you're not. Don't, don't get confused. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying pray about it. Pray about it. Make sure that you are where God wants you to be. Because if we're not where God wants us to be, then we can't do what God wants us to do and we will not be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? And so, as we look at this text, we see clearly that God has given us the power needed to accomplish the plan. But then secondly, we also see that God has given us the plan needed to accomplish this great task as well. Notice the plan is given to the disciples based upon where they're at physically. And according to God's sovereignty, they're in Jerusalem because God told them to stay there until the Holy Spirit comes. Amen? Notice what he says. Verse 8. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. That's our task, being the witnesses to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So God gives us a plan to accomplish the task. And here's the plan. Disciples, start where you're at in Jerusalem. Now this was not a coincidence that they were in Jerusalem. Which is where God had called the nation of Israel to be God's chosen people. God's plan was to start with his chosen, the nation of Israel. That's why God had the disciples there according to his sovereignty. And according to his sovereignty, he says, start here where you are at in Jerusalem. And then take the gospel outside of Jerusalem to the next closest area of Judea and Samaria. Now, it wasn't a coincidence, by the way, that God said Samaria as well. That wasn't just the area outside. It wasn't just next on the map. But it was also a group of people that the Jewish people hated. And so God calling the Israelites and calling the disciples to reach out to the Samaritans was God saying, reach out to those who you might not like, might not agree with, and might not even get along with. 
go across the barriers that exist, whatever those barriers might be. Because the gospel message of Jesus Christ is for everyone. Amen? And then he says, go to the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth would have been the other Gentile nations to the far corners of the earth. And what's awesome is that in the book of Acts, if you read through it, you find the disciples do exactly what they were commanded to do. Chapters 1 through 7, they reach Jerusalem. Not everybody gets saved, but the gospel spreads throughout Jerusalem. Chapters 8 through 12, the gospel begins to make its way into Judea and Samaria. And in chapters 13 through the end of the book, in chapters 28, we see the gospel making its way to the ends of the earth. It ends with Paul in Rome. He's in prison, but he's in Rome exactly where he wants to be. Spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. So the question is, what does this mean for us today? Now, many, and I think somewhat rightfully, take this passage and they apply it to themselves and they say, well, we need to start where I'm at. We need to go out and out and eventually get out there to the ends of the earth. I don't think there's anything wrong with that plan. As a matter of fact, I think that is part of what this text is telling us to do. That you start sharing the gospel where you live. You, you focus on your own home, your own children, your own grandchildren. You focus on your family. You branch out to your neighbors, your community, to the surrounding areas, those who, who might not look like you and act like you, your Judea and Samaria, and you ultimately work your way out towards the ends of the earth. That is a good plan, and I think that is a part of what God is telling us to do. But here's the problem with that plan. If we all do that, and we never make it to the ends of the earth, then the ends of the earth will never be reached with the gospel. You see, that plan doesn't work where the gospel's not yet known. Because there's no one living in that community who can start there and work their way out. And that's why there is what we call in missions world the 1040 window. It's the longitude and latitude. It is an area where the gospel is predominantly not yet known. As a matter of fact, as it stands today, there are still 7,427 unreached people groups in the world. That's 3.37 billion people who still need to hear the gospel. Five years ago, that number stood at 3.11 billion people who still need to hear the gospel. What that means is we are steadily losing ground. And if you take Iranians, for instance, which we're headed in March to reach Iranians, there, there is no one in Iran who's sharing the gospel so that it can work its way out amongst that country. It's going to take people like us who know Jesus who are willing to follow what God says in the Great Commission, which is to go and make disciples. Amen? We don't get a lot of amens there. That's okay. <laughs> if we all stay, the gospel will never actually make it to the ends of the earth. And so we want to make sure that we are doing that which God has called us to do and that we are being where God wants us to be. Now, for... for a lot of us, we are exactly where God wants us to be. Amen? God's not leading all of us to pick up tomorrow and move to a foreign country and tell people about Jesus. That's not what I'm telling you to do. I'm saying, pray about it. I'm saying, think about it. I'm saying, make sure that we are doing what God has called us to do so that we can be empowered for the mission that God has given to us as a church. Amen? As a church, let's have a concerted effort this year to reach our neighbors with the gospel. 
not invite them to church, but to share Jesus with them. There's a huge difference. We've got to be willing to do more than just say, hey, come to church with me. Hey, we're having an event. Do that. But be willing to open your mouth and explain to them how Jesus has changed your life and how Jesus can transform their lives. We've got to be willing to open our mouths and share the gospel. Right? So we want to have a concerted effort to reach our neighbors and our community. We want to be willing to go to Raleigh on the other side of the Noose River. I know it's scary over there. I get it. I don't like being over there either. Right? But we've got to be willing to cross those barriers and share the gospel. We've got to be willing to go across the state, across the country. We've got to be willing to go wherever God leads us to go. And I'm telling you, He won't lead all of us to go to the same place. And He won't lead every one of us to go everywhere. It's not possible. So we really want to pray hard about where God is leading us individually and us together corporately so that we can do the task God has called us to do. Amen? Why? Because the gospel message is continuing on. And because the gospel continues on, we have a story worth telling. We have a mission worth completing. And thirdly, because the gospel continues on, we have a hope worth having. Look at what it says in verse 9. You can smile now. That's over. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men, angels, stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. I, 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 love, I love this for so many reasons. I love, first of all, the irony of what these men ask. Why do you stand looking into heaven? When's the last time you've seen somebody float off into heaven? Feel like that's something that'd catch my attention, right? Feel like same way I watch a helium balloon keep going up until I can't see it any longer. I'd probably be watching Jesus as well, amen? Right? Not every day you see that. And I love how as they're looking up, completely focused on what they should be looking at, the angels come up beside them and go, what you looking at, right? And for the first time in Scripture, you see that men talk to angels. They don't fall immediately dead, right? Because they're still so overwhelmed with what Jesus is doing. And these angels say to them, he's going to come back in the same way, by the way, right? So why are you looking up? Here, here's my translation of it. What are you looking up for? He gave you a task to do. And when we're done with the task, he'll come back according to his timing and according to his plan. Amen? So wait here till the Spirit comes. And when the Spirit comes, the Spirit's going to lead, guide, and direct you so that you can fulfill this great task that he's given to the church. But that same Jesus that just went up, one day he's going to come down. And what that means is that this life is not the life we're focused on. There is an eternal life that is to come. Amen? Matter of fact, Jesus says in John 14, 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, which he did, which he is, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. We love, we love John 14, 3, but I want, you to, I want you to understand where we're at in John 14, 3. Jesus says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, he has gone, and the place is under construction. Right? He's already gone. He's preparing the place. 
And he is going to come again and take us to ourself that where we may be also, where he is, we may be also. We're right smack dab in the middle of that verse in, in history. And we're just waiting for the day that Christ returns. Amen? And when he comes home, or when he comes here, he will take us to our eternal home. And that is the hope that we have as believers. Amen? As we saw this Christmas, we have hope, we have peace, we have joy, we have love, all of which are found in Christ. And I'm telling you, there's a lost and dying world out there that needs hope, that needs peace, that needs joy, and needs love. And we have the ability to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with them. So as we wrap up Christmas, as we wrap up our series on the empowering of the Holy Spirit, and as we kick off our new year, let's do it remembering the task that God has given to us. The gospel continues on. That means that you can be a part of that great story by trusting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. It means that you can do your part to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ by sharing the gospel with those that God leads you to share with. And it means that all of us get to look forward to the day that Christ returns and calls us to our forever home. Will you pray with me? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let me ask you, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If you're here today and you've never given your heart and life to Christ, then in just a few moments, we're going to stand to sing our hymn of invitation. And as we do, I would encourage you, if you've never trusted Jesus before, take the opportunity today to come see me, to come talk to me so that I can share with you all that you need to know so that you can give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. If God is calling you, then I would encourage you to come and give your heart and life to Jesus today. What is God leading you to do concerning missions? Missions isn't something that only missionaries do. We as the church body have been given the task to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. What's God leading you to do? Where is it that God wants you to be? What is it that God wants you to do? Let me encourage you to pray about it. Ask God those questions and then follow him faithfully. And let's see what God has in store for us in the upcoming year. And then let me encourage you to remember that this is not our eternal home. Our eternal home is yet to come. And in the same way that Christ rose and ascended, he will come back. And we will dwell with him for all of eternity. Let's live this life with the eternal life as our aim. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you are doing in us and through us. Lead, God and direct us now, we pray. Lord, we surrender ourselves in this invitation to you. Let your will be done in us and through us now. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.